fucking fly, I'm dripping in Versace mansion. We gonna run that back at the end there. That's family right there. That's legit six. He'll be coming here actually sitting down with us soon. I'm only gonna play music of people that I know. At least that's the plan anyway. But this is episode one of As I Recall. My name is Alex Sweet. Thank you for tuning in. As I recall, we'll be going over just memories, feelings, events through the eyes of those that went through them or experienced them. Life-changing events or movies, shows, fatherhood. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But we're just recalling events to share stories, document life, and continue to share these stories with our loved ones, families, and friends for generations to come. So thank you for tuning in. Shout out to the Raw Room Media Group. We got Faye on the beats. Shout out to Faye. D-Bass, of course. Fast Nasty, a.k.a. Matt. Check those boys out, man. They had some great guests on. Their pod, the Raw Room. A.J. Brown came through, sat down on the couch. Will Comp, of course, from Bussin. Comedians as well. Nav Green. Eric Poston. The list goes on and on and on. I can go all day from no raps. I can go all day, man. But check those boys out as well. Um, but you are tuned in to, as I recall, this is episode one. I'm going to keep it real simple. Episode one, I had a conversation with my pops and some of his friends a while back um, about a TV show, a TV miniseries actually called Roots. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of Roots. It was a TV show that came out in the 70s, 77 to be exact. Still holds records to this day, won nine Emmy Awards. Still holds the record for the third highest rated episode any series of all time, second most watch overall series of all time in TV history. Um, it was one of those shows. Now, um, I've never seen Roots. All right, I'm going to go ahead and just be honest, y'all. I've never seen Roots. I was listening to another podcast. This lady um, has a podcast called The Secrets Adventures of Black People. And she had a conversation with her father about his experience when he was growing up and watching the, uh, the TV show Roots. And boy, when I tell you there was a crazy story, it was a crazy story when he was telling me about his experiences. I think he was, if I'm not, if, if I recall, he was born in the 70s. So he had to be like eight or nine when the show aired. So when I talked to my pops and his friend, my dad was born in 58. So he was getting out of high school, going to college, and his friends were probably in high school, somewhere in junior high. So you know, this is a pretty pretty pivotal time in their life. And uh, I never thought to ask the question what they what the experience was like when they watched Roots. I mean, you know, it was just a TV series. Did it really impact their lives? Well, boy, did it. It definitely impacted their lives. It was actually kind of crazy. I was hearing some wild stories, and I had to put it on wax. I mean, you'll hear some stories from my pops and his friends about fights that broke out in school. Uh, I mean, you just got to think about this time period. I mean, this is around the time the schools were desegregated, like barely. So, I mean, you know, it was kind of still a sensitive time. And then this show Roots, that really shows the first, I mean, glimpse of what slavery potentially was like. Definitely eye-opening, especially for some young kids, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. You know what I mean? I mean, this is this definitely impacted their lives. So I had to share their story. So, um, you will be listening here soon, conversation I have with my dad and some of his pops about their experience watching Roots. Now, what I want you to do after you hear this, if you want to share some of your stories with me or what as well, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. A Sweet. That's my IG name, but I do most of my damage on Twitter. Um, 
A.Sweet on Twitter. My handle is at ShockTheWorld. That's at S-H-O-K-H, the world. That's how you spell it, all right? S-H-O-K-H, the world. Share your stories with me, man. I'd love to hear you guys ask your parents, your uncles, aunties that grew up in the 70s, what it was like going back to school the next day when they was watching Roots. What was it like going to school that next week after they got done watching Roots and how it impacted their life? I'm sure you guys will hear some of the same crazy stories that I heard. So sit back on this audio adventure. Welcome to As I Recall. Has like everyone seen your Roots? Oh, man, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking to to some old buzzers here, man. (laughs) But, uh, but, but, you know, I told your dad, you know, but the the very first night it came on, it was like, you know, my whole, my myself and my family, we were sitting there watching it. And uh, I just thought at the time, okay, is this real? Is this something that actually happened? Is something that fiction the way by a producer, you know, the guy traced it. Did he actually go trace that? Now, the first part of it wasn't the fine part of it to me. It's the later on when you seen them, you know, Coop to getting his foot cut off for no reason, uh, women getting raped for no reason, uh, you know, the whole of all that where they was getting beaten. We didn't understand that because time where, matter of fact, we hadn't been integrated no more than, let's say, three years before that movie came out. So we didn't know exactly what white people did to black people until that movie came out. At Hmm. least to me, I didn't know what white people had did to black people. And when you think about it, my dad is black, my mama black, my grandmama black, my granddad, all these people. And the first thing I wanted to know is, did, did you guys have to go through that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I say that, my granddaddy, or my, you know, my grandfather, you know, I've heard stories of my granddaddy shooting at white people and different stuff like that, but that's a whole different thing. But, <laughs> but, and now I understand when I heard those stories about that, then I start to understand why my dad his dad, his uncles, didn't like white people. <laughs> my my daddy would literally didn't like white people at all. He would call them crackers and everything like that. And we heard this. But after the movie, we understood why they did not like white people. You know, but what, now what, we... What, how, 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 how how old were you? Like were like were like you were in school, you were in high school, you in college. Yeah, I, was, I was I was I was in junior high. I was in junior high going to high school. It was okay. right in between my junior high and high school days. Like mm. 76, 77, something like that. You know. 78. You know. And that, it was right in between my eighth, my ninth and tenth year going to school. And man, when I say we had more fights during that week. Then we'll have in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> because we came, we man, we will come back to school and we know that not only black people watch this movie, but white people watched it too. 
And they had this sense of arrogancy about themselves during that whole week, man. Mm. And but it but it really, really taught us what white people now I, I'm not saying all of them was like this, but it didn't matter after you watched that movie. You hated all white people then. I don't care who you were. <laughs> during yeah, that where, time. Where I lived, uh, well, I lived, a, a bunch of white folks got whooped that week. <laughs> yeah, it got whooped that week. It was white all week in school. It was rough. The, the, principal, the principals and all the teachers didn't have, couldn't, couldn't, just, it was just awful. You know, it was fights every day. Mm. You know, in, in, in class. But, but, but the bottom line is, it, I was appreciative. It made me appreciate the time now that we was doing because not only where I'm from in Mississippi, they were still basically doing the same thing, but it wasn't as blunting it like they was doing, like the movie did it. Mm. But, but they were still doing it. But it was like a corporate type hate, mm -hmm. you know, toward black people. And you had to still live through that. I still did. You know, we had outside of town. They had their set of time. Mm. We had all stores we went to. They had their stores they went to. And Roots basically separated us for at least three years mm. after that. It separated the blacks and the white, where I'm from, for at least three years before we could actually come back together and, like, actually coordinate with each other during that time. It, it lasted up until, you know, at least when I graduated. We graduated, we was fine. But from that point, from 77, after 77, up until like 79 when I graduated, things had calmed down a little bit. But it, but to answer your question is how I felt. I was mad. And at the same time, I was glad for the people that was playing the movie roles. You know, especially people like John Amos, who played Kuta, uh, the guy that played uh, Chicken George. What was, I can't think of his name. And and then the other guy, the bald-headed guy, Louis Gossett, he was in it. He had a yep. big role in it. LeVar you know, Burden? LeVar Burden was the, the, the youngest Kuta. He was the main Kuta at the young age. Yeah. You know, you know, but after the movie went off, these people came back into reality. But that's all we knew from them, D. That's all we, the only way we remember them is from Roots. And when they started their own shows, man, that's the guy that played Roots. That's the guy that played uh, Kuta Kente. That's the guy that played Chicken George. That's that's how they was recognized then. Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen, yeah. yeah. Ben Vereen was the one that actually rescued them from all that, you know, and at the, at the end of it. Right there in Bartlett, Tennessee. And yeah, right there. He was the one that really rescued them from under slavery at the time. Because he had went to the army and he had became this lieutenant or sergeant or something. He came back and showed them how to fight against these white people. This is what we're gonna do. And you would be shocked, Alex. The things that they endured, we actually endured some of that same stuff in the late 70s, in the early 80s. We really did. 
You walk in a grocery store, white people was in there, man, they look at you like you was the sourest thing on earth. You couldn't interact with them. You couldn't go across this part of the town. You go over there, you allowed to get rocks thrown at you, rotten eggs, all that stuff. You can't walk down the road. Cars come back with white boys in it, and they just throw stuff at you, ballers and everything. My brother was going to Ole Miss over there right during that same time, and he was like one of the few blacks that was on campus at Ole Miss, and he caught hell. When I say he caught hell, he caught hell. <laughs> so detention is really the most important thing that I remember from that movie is how it separated blacks and whites from where I was from during that time, mm. you know? And, and the way I felt about it, it made me feel like, like I said, it was sad, it was mad, and then you got, once at the end of it, you started going like, well, all right, way to go, black people. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I want to jump in here because uh, uh, I came along just a little after you, Houston, because, you know, you antique. Uh, but... <laughs> In in eighty one, you know, like we really didn't get integrated in in my little town until nineteen eighty, when we right. could go to the main high school. They they had a swim team and a swimming pool at the main high school. When they started busing us to the school in eighty, they covered the, they they closed the pool down. They got rid of the swim team. Because they still didn't want blacks and whites to swim together. To swim together. We had the same so, problem. We, we had the same problem, sweetie. So, you know, and, and our town was separated just like y'all. But this is where it's a little different. My great-grandmother, who died in 90, I got a chance to grow up with. And she was the daughter of a slave. She was born in 1890. She died right at 100. She was the daughter of a slave. So I got a chance to hear firsthand what her mama told her. And I got a chance to hear how they did things, you know, in the early 1900s. So I was raised to, to understand who these people were and how they were. And now understand this, uh, one of my great-great-grandfathers was white. You know, he wasn't a slave owner, but, you know, he he dipped in the, the Kool-Aid or the sharecropper. You know, right. so so they, they were very careful to teach us not to be hateful, but to understand, to, to, to try to judge people by what they do. But... I grew up, you know, watching and listening to Martin Luther King, you know, because that was like the, the person. And then somewhere along the way, I got a uh, the, the Malcolm X autobiography by Alex Hayden. And that led me to Stokely Carmichael. And that led me to Du Bois and uh, to, to Booker T. Washington and to George Washington Carver and to listen at all the different thought ideas from the early 1900s, which was really about how to deal with white folks. When you start looking at Du Bois, Carver, and, 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 and Washington, 
they were, this is how we gonna handle moving ourselves forward inside of this racist society. So I've always looked at my granddaddy and this, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna be quiet. My granddaddy used to say to me, and I'm gonna say it just like he said, the only good white man is a dead white man. <laughs> and, and he said that, and I changed it in my, in my growth. And I say the only good man is a dead man. Because the second part of what my granddaddy said was, you know, the only good white man is a dead white man. He said, because once he's gone, you can judge him by the deeds that he exhibited while he was living. But while he yet living, he can turn on you. That's when he gave me that, that five, say, people will change on you. So, I, I, you know, there are a lot of good uh, folks that are different ethnic backgrounds but we don't know how good they are until they gone and we can look at their record and evaluate their record. So, you know, I, I, I don't subscribe to anything but what's right. And I tell a Negro if he wrong, and I sure enough will tell somebody of a different ethnic background if they wrong. And where I, the, the people that I work with, they don't even fool with me with that type of stuff because I talk to them just <laughs> like I talk to black folks. They, and, and my name is not Charlie. My name is Charles. Mm. And you don't call me Charlie because that was a little slick way that they used to do black folks. Mm -hmm. Come up with these names. And they still do some of that stuff. And just like they talk about what goes on, they use racist remarks and stuff in the boardrooms and in this. And the, the one thing you said was, now we catching some of that stuff. But if you think about it, it is built in. That's why they act like they don't understand systematic racism. It's built yep. in. It's I'm yep. done because I talk. I, you know, you 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 struck a nerve. And what <laughs> the way that I felt when I finished watching it, it was good. I was at an all black school because I didn't have nobody to take my frustration out on. But when I made it to the high school, and they were, I had had a boy that he said, you know, and I was uh, uh, wasn't a hundred pounds soaking wet. So, you know, I wasn't no dude that you'd be scared of. But <laughs> he made the mistake of calling a partner of mine, Kunta. Uh, what you doing, Kunta? Man, we must we must have <laughs> beat that joker like he stole something. You know, and say and told everybody that was around. <clears throat> Use that stuff from roots if you want to. We ain't chicken, George. We ain't no. uh, uh, none yeah. of them folks from that, you know. And we're gonna we're gonna fight. So that's it. I'm done. I'm gonna be quiet. And you don't <laughs> say nothing sweet because I know you always want to talk small. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna say nothing right now. <laughs> Go All on, right. hard. Hey man, I see it, it's it's different. It's a different lifestyle, the different places we live, but it's that same old mentality. I can tell you now, in the North, I, I went to school with black, white, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Yugoslavian, grew up in a steel town. But Where you from? I was fortunate enough, my folks were from Mississippi and Arkansas. So yes. I heard the stories. I knew for a fact my uncle cut a white man and they they was gonna lynch him and he got on the train mm. and came to the north 
You know what so, I'm saying? I was in, in in the NAACP at seven years old. Yeah. And I went to uh, Peru, Indiana and marched against the Klan in 1968. I was born in 60. So this was in 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 northern Indiana. Where they, where they from? Yeah, marched against the Klan in Peru. I am history. I tell my kids all the time. Hey. Against the Klan in 1968, but uh, you could, I grew up like I had neighbors of all kinds, but you could still see the white privilege. Yeah. Like I said, when Boots came out, it's some some boys got whooped because they always had that mentality. You could tell, and when that movie came out, them folks was shaking in their boots. Because we didn't have, you know, we, we had a lot of freedom of movement, things to do. I, I mean, myself, a white guy and a Mexican guy, we went to school from kindergarten to our first year in college. And, and we ate at the same tables in the same house. I could go in any house, man, almost uh, three or four blocks away from my house and eat. Parents had permission to get me, all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Grew up with them. But now I graduated and I went to Indiana University. I had a full scholarship, went a summer and a semester. Man, down there, I was like 15 miles out of Martinsville, Indiana. That's where the head of the Klan in Indiana stayed. And uh, they had signs on the end of town that blacks or whatever you want to call it, be out of town by sundown. Now that's when they they talk about now about sundown towns. Yeah, this was in Southern Indiana, and I saw that, experienced it. I, when I when I got in trouble, I I had never been in trouble in my life. First time I ever got in trouble. I, I, I went to the penitentiary. I'm thinking to myself, I ain't never been in trouble. I got preachers and teachers and policemen that wrote in my behalf. And a white dude told me, he said, man, your judge is clean. You going to jail. <laughs> I didn't believe him until I got in the courtroom. And judge said, well, because the guy I fought was a white boy. Me and another guy, he pulled me in. I was in the wrong place, wrong time with the wrong person. And uh, didn't take 10 minutes what happened to me. You know, we but we went to, to steal. You know, we, we crossed the invisible <laughs> barrier on our way to take something. And I ended up with a burglary and we ended up fighting them too and a battery charge. But I just knew I'm gonna get probation or something, I'm going home. I wrote letters in between time I went to court. White dude came to my to my sentencing, spoke in my behalf, same dude I fought. The judge said, well, we appreciate the, the, uh, the, the comments from the victim all these letters are well and good but we send you to two years in any English state correctional facility that man won't care nothing about put me on eight years probation doc it was six years because my charges carry six to 28 years and then I hear about brothers man I haven't worked about it about picking cotton and cotton fields I had heard about that stuff you know what I'm saying when I saw Roots I really, I was upset. You know what I mean? And then I think about it even today, because I, when I go down there to West Tennessee State Penitentiary, it's in Henning. 
And that's where uh, Alex Haley, they got that museum and stuff down oh, there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they talk about yeah, head in Tennessee. How, how at that prison is so many buried, buried black folks buried uh, down uh, there. Nobody never knew what happened to them. You know what I'm saying? I, I have been riding down there nights and having visions, man, of brothers hanging in the trees, uh, stuff uh, like that. And when I go to the prison, I tell y'all down here having problems with each other. Don't y'all know they used to hang brothers down here? I know it was God that allowed me to see that so I could speak to them brothers where 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 they at to try to make them realize that they end up beating themselves up up against the wall, you know, because all these folk then made a business out of it, locking us up. That's a whole institution. Yeah. That just it got created so they could kill some brothers and lock them up and make money off it. What was going down when you first watched Roots? Like, you know, like the Alita, how old were you? Where where, where were you? You know, that whole type of thing. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. One thing about it, uh, when Alex Haley came out with it, I guess I, I kind of looked at everything a little bit different because I'm going to tell you, I was 13 years old. I, I can remember I was going to Correlate Elementary. And during that time, we we mingled with blacks and whites. I mean, some of my best friends was white because I was on the basketball team. And let me tell y'all, at 13, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. A lot of folks were saying, man, this dude here is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I had some... You must have got a little shot now, you know? <laughs> oh, it's getting past me now. But I'm telling you, my best, some of my best friends was white. And I'm going to tell you, when I used to... My grandfather... I used to always wonder why my grandfather, he, he, he could never look, never look white folks in the eye. He was so intimidated by white people. And I could not understand that. I used to be like, granddaddy. And he used to be like, son, don't look them folks in the eyes. I was like, why? They just like me. But when that movie came out, now you got to remember, I was 13 years old. I was upset because I was like, why would Haley do this? I was like, why would you do this? Because I'm going to tell you, I never had any hate until after that movie came out. When that movie came out, I instilled hate. I really did. I did not like white people. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand it differently now. And and maybe later on, we can talk more about how I educated myself and know where all this came from. But during that time, it messed me up. As a matter of fact, it was, we had seven whites on the team and we had five blacks. All of the blacks, after that movie ran, after it finished, we all got off the team. Dang. I did not. Real? I, yeah. We did not want to have anything to do with white people no more. And, and my mama used to always say I was so intelligent, even as a young age. I did not want to have nothing else to do with it. I can remember that next day after that movie came out. Some of the white students, they didn't even come. They didn't even come. They was a lot of them was embarrassed too. They didn't even come to school. And I can remember that next year after that happened because it was so many fights. And we developed <laughs> some some people developed fears of whites, but it was different with me. I developed a hate. I had no fear for them. I mean, I didn't. And 
I can remember that next year. And if you if you look it up, Coralay Elementary, man, they got all of us out of there. They got all of the blacks. They shipped us to Weaver Weaver School, and it was all black. They had because we were separated at that time. But the hate that I developed, I was like, man, why would you come out with a movie like this? And my daddy uh, told me, he said, because you need to know. I know it hurts some. I can remember my daddy telling me, and see, at that time, my mom and dad, they were separated. So I, I used to talk to him, and he was like, son, but you need to know. But I was like, but daddy, what, what do you think I'm going to go from here? The only way I can go from here is hate. And that's what I instilled from that movie. So it, 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 it bothered me that why would you put that out? Because when I see what happened to my people, it changed me. It really did. I mean, it, it completely changed my outlook on everything. So that, 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 that 1977, I mean, for a 13-year-old, it, it just completely messed me up. And I developed that hate. And for, for a few years, I ran off of that, just, just hating. And just hating the white people, just like they hated us. Well, I hated them, too, because of what they did to my people, to see what they did, to see what they did to my granddaddy. Now I understand why my granddaddy, and it hurt me so bad, why he he feared them. He feared the white people, and I hated them. So that's the impact that it had on me. It was, it was, it was a terrible impact. I can tell you that now. Sound like me and Oliver experienced the same thing, didn't we? <laughs> uh, hey. Where, where, where were you? Oliver, in, in Memphis or? I was in Memphis. You was in yeah, Memphis? I, yeah, I was in Memphis. We had moved. I was in San Antonio, Texas, but when my mother and father separated, then I moved back. I moved here to Memphis. Okay. And, yeah. See, Alex, I was in Mississippi in the roots of it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was basically not the slavery roots, but it was the southern hated part of the roots of it. You know, because if you if you ask me, Mississippi was one of the most racist states and Alabama was even worse. Yeah. You know, still is. And, it, yeah, yeah, still is. yeah. And see, we was neighbors and you, you couldn't basically our mom and daddy would allow us to go to Alabama, Arkansas. And barely let us come to Memphis, but when roots when roots developed, man, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, how like I was telling y'all earlier, the change, like Oliver said, that we had for white people for for two or three years, and it was un, it was unbelievable how how the impact of that movie changed the mindsets of. Black people in Mississippi. Well, black people in general, you're exactly in right. In general. And, yeah. You know, and, but, I, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm speaking of what I see, you know, like Mississippi. And it was, Mississippi was already one of, you know, Oxford, Mississippi, home of Ole Miss. Well, yeah. you got 60,000 white kids in town doing what the hell they want to do to us. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and we had a double thing. We had 
the university, the white kids we had to deal with, plus we had the kids in the town that we had to deal with. Yeah. You know, watch, had- watch this though, Houston. My car broke down uh, about two years ago while I was taking a class at Ole Miss at nine o'clock at night. I mean, I pulled up, went in the class, came back out, my car wouldn't start. So I called Melvin Lewis to come get me. And uh, I was standing out there in the parking lot and they came riding by in a Jeep. And guess yeah. what they called me? Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they called me that. Hey, nigga. No, they did, yeah. man. Yeah, I, 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 they was terrible. They was I, terrible. This, this 2017. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They still are. They still are. They the same way. Ole, Ole Miss is one of the racist colleges in the South. And I got off the corner, and and yeah, I was in the parking lot. I got out of the parking lot and walked to the corner and, and hollered, I bet you won't come back and say that. And and it's four of them in a jeep. And then I caught myself. I said, "Man, you must be a damn fool." <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. I, so I went back to the parking lot and I kept my mouth closed. And then when I called the, the uh, campus police and told them what had happened, they rolled through and then asked me, "You know, do you know how they look?" And you know, I didn't know number if they were riding a black jeep and didn't have a top on it. And it was four white guys. And they based, they didn't take no report. They just played it out. Yeah, and, you know, but they were and, part of it, see? And, and, <laughs> and what we don't understand is, you know, I'm not advocating for any hate or anything because I love, but guess what? I don't take no mess. And that's why I don't let people off the hook. No, them boys didn't do nothing to me and my, my, uh, my granddaddy or my dad. You know, it was their great great grandparents did, but I ain't letting you off the hook for nothing. The system is rigged, and it always has been. You, I was told when I was growing up, boy, you got to be twice as as good as the other fella. Get twice as smart as. And I've had the opportunity to see. I worked at youth villages, and I kind of rose up in the ranks. And I can remember when I got to where I could hire and everything, they were sending me to places to recruit, and I was going to black schools because that's what I like. Then they took, they said, we're not going, we're only going, they didn't say black schools, we're only going to recruit at top-tier schools. So then I started going to Georgia, Vanderbilt, University of Florida, University of Memphis. You know, that's cold, but we're not going to get no black. Well, guess what? I went to all them schools, and every time I came back, I came back with somebody black. <laughs> they were sitting in the boardroom one day talking about all of the managers and the diversity that they had, and they realized when they started going around the table, they realized, you know, who referred you? How did you get here? And everybody was saying, Miss Seaton uh, brought me in. Miss Seaton brought me in. Miss Seaton brought me in. Pat Lawler, who if you hear anything about youth villages, they'll always mention his name. And by the way, he was Judge Kenneth Turner's uh, nephew. That's how he got to be at 25. He got to take uh, take over Memphis Boys Town and turned it into youth villages. So that, that's another story. But 
He said, privilege. We gotta That's do privilege. We got to do something different. And That's why I started catching hell from that point on. But the black folks that I hired, I hired a boy out of Mississippi College. He became my director. And when he became my director, he said, I got to do something with Seton because he usurping my leadership here. That's what the, he upset because I'm the number one African American in the company now. So that's what black folks do for each other. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was gone for less than a year, and they walked him out. See, I was holding them accountable, saying you can't be knocking off these women around here. <laughs> that's but, what they do. But long as it was a black girl, everything was cool. But see, he got so comfortable that he started doing something. My granddaddy told me, son, they will hang you for looking under a white woman's dress while it's hanging on the clothesline. And you read between the lines on that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that Emmett Till was the thing that always killed me. After they showed what happened to that boy because he whistled at a white woman, how they did him, man. And then we always would see the images of how they Tired and feathered, our folks, man. But you mentioned Kenneth Turner, man. That juvenile court system in Memphis, when I worked at Tall Trees, they had all the black boys' court cases out in open court, but they settled all the white boys' cases in closed chambers. Mm -hmm. That's why whenever I took some black kids down there to, to juvenile court, I tried my best to get them back to me. Because I know they was just making more money off them if they sent them to Shelby Training Center or they send them out of town. So I, I beg for them to come back. My, I was in my first year, freshman year of college when I saw Rook. So y'all got me uh, left behind feeling old. So I'm, I'm enjoying listening to what you're doing. <laughs> well, 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 sweet, by that time, you know, you, you probably had gotten over the hump after yeah, the yeah. fact. Keep in mind, at, at that time, I was in my freshman year at, at Christian Brothers College. That's my freshman right. year. During that year, I was my first course that I took. I was already doing a course I was sharing with Alex called Christianity and Peace. So it was looking at some of the human rights issues that was going around. And at that time, we were, we were studying uh, the Nazis when the Jews was killed. But I was telling Alex that when I saw Roots, when it came out in 1977, my perspective was totally different. I mean, I'll I, I just be honest, I think that's how I was raised, too. I, I looked at it from Alex Haley, that it was, a, that it was his autobiography, that he was sharing his, his roots. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't like some of the scenes that were, were out there. I mean, I knew about slavery. I knew about you know, how we were being treated and stuff, but to actually see it on the screen, it did open your eyes. I didn't like the fact how it opened up that when I when they first opened up, because the first opening scene, it showed black folks capturing black folks and turning them over to white folks. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, when I saw that, that yeah. really kind of pissed me out. And I'm telling you why that hurt my feelings, because I've always thought, it was just the white folks only when it came to slavery. So when I saw that, that kind of turned it off. And then how they treated us, that, I mean, I look at it from that perspective. I mean, 
I, it, did it make me hate white folks? No, it didn't make me hate them. It, it made me to ask questions to try to understand. Because even doing that, I, I still remember the times when I was younger. And I remember my grandmother and my sisters and I were walking to the store on Poplar Avenue crossing the Vida, going to A&P. I remember that. And this truck with these white boys in it, they, they were driving by and they spit on me. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand when uh, we were going to, a, we were going to all white school walking home and these little white kids calling us, calling us, you niggers, you niggers. And it tripped me out to hear them that. So when I saw Roots, I mean, I guess when I looked at Roots, I mean, I was looking at that. I didn't like that. I mean, I, I definitely didn't like it, but it, it was just something I saw from a historical from Alex Haley's point. And then at the same time, I, I knew that the, even back then, I kind of looked at how media still liked to, to blow things up, but then that was the reality. When I saw the part about like Kuta Kente, not, not Chicken George getting his uh, ankle, legs cut off. and The foot and, cut off. Uh, that was Kuta Kente. Yeah, his foot got cut off. And then that yeah. scene, it was one thing that I really didn't like when the couple, the married couple, got was married. They were in the cabin, and all of a sudden, they came in there and took the uh, wife took away. The wife away. And, and made and him the wife him. away and so and started taking the wife, the children just started dividing them up, taking the different parts and stuff. So I, that that was an eye opener to me, and that's what I when I that's what. That's what I got out of it. I mean, I mean that's that's my point of view. But 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 the crazy thing about that is if you if you watch the movie and you watch it intense, slowly, the thing it is, I appreciate the way that they survive. You know, yeah. they survive, and and that taught me like if they can survive that, being treated like that. There is no reason why I cannot survive being in this world like it is today. That 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 is a true. But well, even we had this discussion a long time ago about slavery, about you know what all they went through to what we going through today, and we was talking no. about how God adapted them to make it through that. And even when I look at compare with Roots, what really helped me is after the fact, and that was going down to slave haven. When you go down to Slave Haven downtown and look at the history behind that, yes. I mean, again, it shows survival. Like the things that no. they did to hold our people down, like the uh, the thing they put around their necks, the bell, the the, the weight yeah. of it, the, the hold the them down, of the chain, yeah, right. The, the, and how the, 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 the uh, shackles the shackles that they put how on the slaves them. Yeah. that and and use that to strengthen themselves up. So when they took those shackles off, they were strong. It seemed like yeah. everything that they were doing to bring them down, even though it was rough, it was, uh, I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, it was horrible just to look at the tunes, but but it just showed how they took advantage of that. And the only thing I didn't like was the slave shit. It, uh, and that was down at the Harvard Town, how some people just jumped off the ship just to get away from it. I mean, you know, jumped off the ship just to be free, drowning themselves. Kush Versace Mansion Found blue Miami water diamonds and they dancing 
smoking fly, I'm dripping that Versace mansion. Top flow, smoke exotic, Kush Versace mansion. Film blue Miami, water diamonds and they dancing. Black bitch act white, she love Merlin Manson. I'm so fucking fly, I'm dripping that Versace mansion. Staking lost Versace mansion, fly as hell. Shook button down like Pac, but my shades wide sell. My bitch super thick, your hoe ugly like Sam Cassell. I've been running up my stocks like my book of trail. Swimming through these racks, yeah, I feel like Michael Phelps. You ain't got no racks, your bank account, that Johnny helps. I'm laughing to the bag, yeah, I feel like Mike Epps. I put this shit on, little nigga, I apply myself. I'm in a brand new Tesla, yeah, this bitch park itself. She a mama fuck, yeah, I call her my little milf. Smoke exotic kush, yeah, I grew this shit myself. Legit six figure nigga, help me for my wealth. Top flow, smoke exotic kush, Versace mansion. Found blue Miami, water diamonds, and they dancing. Black bitch act white, she love Merlin Manson. I'm so fucking fly, I'm dripping that Versace mansion. Top flow, smoke exotic kush, Versace mansion. Found blue Miami, water diamonds, and they dancing. Black, black bitch act white, she love Merlin Manson. Fucking flying, dripping in Versace mansion. Diamonds look like water, like I got them out the ocean. Sub zero boogers got my earlobes frozen. No keys to this whip, like this bitch here stolen. I know that I'm the one, like my middle name is chosen. Versace mansion, eating chicken, bracing lemon water. I'm out in DC kicking shit with Obama daughter. James Bond, I'll go Beretta Clap your ass from long distance, play about my cheddar You don't want no smoke, nah, you don't want no tester Fry your ass like chicken, and show you with the chesters Top, top, top flow, smoke exotic, Kush Versace mansion Film blue Miami, water diamonds, and they dancing Black bitch act white, she love Merlin Manson I'm so fucking fly, I'm dripping that Versace mansion Top flow, smoke exotic, Kush Versace mansion. Film blue Miami, water diamonds, and they dancing. Black bitch act white, she love Merlin Manson. I'm so fucking fly, I'm dripping in Versace mansion. Boy, you talk your shit on here. And if anybody got something to say, how